Welcome to Me and the Geek. I'm me, Joel Sharpton. You can find me on Twitter at The Rogue's Life. And every week on Me and the Geek, we have a conversation with a different geek about their area of expertise, their passion, what they're geeky about. We think that everyone's geeky about something here at MeandTheGeekPod.com, and we want to help you find your geek. This week, we're going to be talking to Mark Gwynn. He's the director of the School of Performing Arts uh, at Louisiana Tech University in Ruston, Louisiana, but he's much more than that. He's a hero of mine and my first celebrity here on the show. When I started this show, one of my hopes was to have some famous guests from time to time, to be able to reach out to people who've really accomplished something in their career that I don't know necessarily uh, in my personal life and be able to discuss their geek with them. These fingers crossed paprika burgers. Big day today. Jamie gets his exam results. I hope he's done okay. He's worked so hard. So I'm making my paprika burgers for when he gets home. They were lucky last time. I add red onion and paprika to the mince. Then I top with jalapenos. Well? Make your own burgers with our Tesco finest Aberdeen Angus beef. Food Love Stories, brought to you by Tesco. Well, I do know Mark. Uh, He and I go back about 15 or 16 years now, but... Uh, he is a celebrity in his own right, and among some circles, he's known all over the world. Uh, people call him Rat. People call him Gwyn. People call him uh, Mr. Gwyn, uh, Dr. Uh, Gwyn, Professor Gwyn, Professor Mark, everything in between. I call him my buddy and my friend and, in a lot of ways, my mentor, too. Uh, he was one of my uh, theater professors when I did my undergraduate work at Louisiana Tech, and he was one of the first people I thought of when I started conceiving of this show and who I might have for a guest. Today, we're going to talk talk about lighting design. The name of this episode is The Creation of Shadow, and I think you're going to find the importance of that uh, during the conversation. It is a great one. If you think this is not for you, I promise if you'll stick with it five or ten minutes, Mark will win you over. He's a, a great speaker and a, a wonderful um, a wonderful thinker and a, a wonderful artist. Uh, stick around after the episode for some ways to feed back with us, and uh, for now, just enjoy me and the geek. Welcome to Me and the Geek. This week's geek, Mark D. Gwynn. He's the director of the School of Performing Arts for Louisiana Tech. He's got a lot of other titles on his name, and, and uh, you can check out his full resume in the show notes today. But uh, first of all, just welcome to the show, Mark. How are you doing? Hey, I'm, I'm great, Joel. Good morning to you. Good morning to you too, man. Thanks for taking some time to talk to me. And uh, sort of like I said in the intro to this show, there is a tremendous amount of things that we could talk to you about, even just your current projects. But Today, I wanted to focus on your history and lighting. You know, what we do on this show is every week I talk to a different quote-unquote geek. I talk to somebody about their passion, <laughs> their area of interest, their area of focus and expertise. And, and we've talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about Saturday Night Live. We talked about Dungeons & Dragons. We've talked about – we're going to talk about stage combat with your son, as a matter of fact, pretty soon. Excellent. Yeah. But you've got this great history that I think even some of your students overlook – specifically in the world of lighting and lighting design. And so that's what I wanted to talk to you about. So first off, give us how, – how does a, a river rat from Tennessee get into the world of lighting? I mean I, I don't imagine that you as a kid, that was a, a career path that, that was held out no, to you. No, it wasn't. It was, uh, it, was, it was discovered actually. I was working on my undergraduate degree as a uh, wildlife biologist. I was uh, – committed to going back to Tennessee and saving the bottomlands and 
then um, I guess it was in my uh, <clears throat> sophomore year taking a uh, intro to introduction to art class that uh, the final project was a we had to, as a class, get together and, and put everything in the gallery. We had to do a show. And in the process of doing the show, um, I wanted to I wanted to or became interested in how, uh, how my project was going to be lit and <clears throat> went in search of lights for the project and ended up downstairs in the Norton Regional Arts Center and found this guy by the name of Mark DeRugio, who was a technical director for the theater. And he said, sure, I got lights, but uh, I need a little bit of help. So if I give you lights, you got to give me some help. And, <laughs> and and that was it, man. That was that was the hook. I got the lights and went up and lit my project and was <clears throat> real happy about that. And then ended up down helping DeRugio on... Um, I don't even remember the name of the show that we were working on, but that was that was it. That was kind of the the hook that dragged me into um, the world of lighting design. And then <clears throat> I met a dancer and uh, became enamored of uh, the human form and the revelation of form in space. There really wasn't a dance program at the undergraduate I went to. Um, and this young lady had a group of uh, like-minded folks, and they were putting on an annual dance concert and asked me to light the project. And I guess, I guess that's where it all started. The appreciation of the revelation of form and space, the uh, ethereal and ephemeral quality to light itself. And then, you know, there were... A whole string of influences throughout my life that continue to push me in that direction. Well, and and that's that's a good uh, that's a good thing to know about you. If somebody's listening to this and they don't know who you are and and haven't followed down the rabbit hole of Mark Gwynn online yet, you're you're a guy that has chased whimsy a lot in your life. And you know, I've seen an opportunity <laughs> laid before you and said, "Hey, that sounds like a fun gig. I'll try that for yes. a while." And <laughs> you don't say no to a lot of things, but specifically on on lighting what was it about i mean i know you are a uh you're a performance minded guy what was it about lighting that you thought and and if you you're also a scenic designer which is something else that we're going to discuss someday there in particular there's a couple of your shows that i think are really challenging at the level of theater that you were doing at the level of budget that you're able to do it and the things you're able to bring out of of a set but what was it about lighting that you said this is enough this is enough of a palette before me to 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 say the thing that I want to say as an artist. Wow, that's a really good question, Joel. Um, and I don't know that I have a, a a distinct. You know, I don't know that I have a, a a distinct answer for that. I guess it's the. You know, I think one of the one of the things that and this and this is the conundrum that I suffer a lot um, is I've. You know, I don't live a full outdoors life now, but I grew up in the outdoors, and I think that, you know, it was my uh, my love of the outdoors and my love of being in the woods and on the river that were taking me down the the pathway to, uh, you know, wildlife conservation um, and wildlife biology, and it's just an appreciation appreciation of 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 form and of light and. Uh, and the place in where we found ourselves. And it's not that I want to emulate 
the 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 world it's that the theater offers a place for um exploration um and there's always been that that bit of artist in me that uh that looks for that sense of 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 magic of uh, of creation of creating that creating that that image that 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 yeah that image that's going to live forever in your brain that you can always go back to and and have um have an emotional response to have a, a sense of pleasure of looking at or a sense of mystery of looking at and that's what's always pulled me back is okay now that we're working on this project how do we do that how do we make that happen and there's a lot of tools in the toolbox I have now as a as a as an old geek <laughs> that I go back to, uh, but in the beginning it was, you know, searching for that. What it, what is it that's out there? So talk to me about one of those tools that you found along the way, and you had quite a history with it. Talk to me about the telescope. <laughs> you have done your homework. Holy crap, man! <laughs> Telescan. Telescan was a French. Uh, a French company. Um, I don't even know if they're still in business. I'm sure they are. Uh, I found some websites, telescan.fr. You can still find some information. I, I don't know about uh, purchasing. There is There are links for repair. There are links for galleries. There's links for performing. But I don't know that you can actually buy uh, units from them oh, anymore. Man, I'd be surprised that they're still manufacturing those <laughs> those refrigerators. <laughs> you, you know, I was really, really lucky and had a, had a great buddy uh, who's still working in the lighting industry by the name of Bert Bracegirdle. Um, and he had called me. We, we met uh, on my first uh, bus and truck tour uh, with Nebraska Theater Caravan. He was um, he he got me on my my first big tour and was uh, the technical director I guess on the tour and I was just a, a follow spot op and he ended up going to L.A. and called me annually for three years and the year I finished my MFA he called and said Raddy this is the last time man I've called you three times we've got a great project you need to get your butt out here and 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 I did I made the jump and went to L.A. and got trained up. Um, it was me, Bert, and Sean uh, that were the first three guys trained up on these remote-controlled luminaires. This would have been the, the late 80s, and it was a time when uh, wiggly lights uh, were all the rage, wiggly lights and lasers. They were, they were the big-ticket items on the big shows, and it was still Verilite. That was a time when... Verilite, the Verilite contract required that you have a, a black room, um, and this was that if if you brought in a show that had Verilites, you had to provide this secured room. The room had to have a security officer outside it, and that's where the Verilite guys would go to do all their repair because the technology was so advanced, nobody had it, and they had a lock on the market. You couldn't buy Verilites back then. You could only rent them, and you had to rent with them an operator and a technician. And it was uh, it was a pretty good gig for Verilite, and still a good gig. And they still manufacture a quality lighting instrument. But the um, the company that was in the in the United States that was providing a a, a similar product was was Morpheus. 
um, and Morpheus Lighting, and they had um, they had a, a couple of really cool products. You know, the basic lighting instruments are, are uh, spots and wash luminaires, and so everybody had wiggly lights that that emulated those characteristics. Um, the spot fixtures would be loaded with gobos so that you could project patterns and do kind of uh, crazy things with them. And the flood fixtures were all about washes of color because if you wanted big washes of color back in the day, you had to load your, your lighting rig with hundreds of par cans and then you'd get these, you know, 100K washes and stuff. And so it was the spot and wash fixtures that were uh, coming onto the market. And the technology was such that... Um, and you may remember if you think back to some of your old toys and 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 some of the old robots that uh, the sample rates on the chips were so slow that everything kind of stepped. They'd had that they'd had that sort of jerky yes. motion to it. Well, these telescans were servo motor um, servo motor driven. And they were the brightest fucking lights on the market. <laughs> they had they had 1.2 uh, HMI. They were high. Uh, uh, they were high discharge lights. They were follow spot lights, um, and they had uh, a mirror on the head of them. And they were when they worked efficiently, they were the biggest, brightest, and most beautiful fixture out there. Um, and me, Bert, and Sean were the first three guys trained up on these um, on these lighting instruments. And it was Sean and I that were the operators, trained up to go out as operators. And Sean went out with uh, Janet Jackson, the Janet Jackson tour. Um, <clears throat> and I went out with uh, uh, Madonna, the Madonna Blonde Ambition tour, working for a guy by the name of Pete Morris, who is still out there and widely recognized as one of the the best rock and roll lighting designers um, in the industry, and, and justifiably so. He he was around. You can do a search on him and find out a bunch of information about him, but he's he's the man when it comes to big-time rock and roll rigs. So we were trained up on these lights um, and sent out on the road, and they were, you know, they were, God, it was sheet metal construction. It was this huge box. These things were like five feet tall and weighed a couple of hundred pounds. <laughs> they were up. Oh my God! Slapping these damn things around on the road uh, was 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 kind of heinous, but uh, you know they were like late model Harleys. They required a significant amount of labor to keep them running, but when they were running, they were they were kind of fabulous. Well, and as far as as lighting geeks go, it it turns you into the rock star of your profession at the time too, right? Like you, one of the few yeah, guys. That was it. There was, you know, Obie's lighting company. They only had like twenty four. Um, twenty four in that first year, and they and they got split up on those on those two rigs. Um, and and the company in in France, you know, they held their cards pretty close to their chest, and it it was all about who was making money for what. So, Obi was renting them from from Telescan and had you know the uh, the U.S. market, and anytime there was anything going on in in Europe, it should have been Telescan France with them. So. Yeah, we had the biggest and brightest for a while, but it was within a, a couple of years. Verilite came out with a 1.2K, and then the chip rates were – what is that? You know, what's that law that uh, – Moore's Law. So it goes from 8-bit to 16 to yeah. 32 to 64. and So it was within just a couple of years that the sampling rate was stepped up, and 
and uh, and and Telescan sort of saw its day. I I worked with them for five or six years and did a couple of big tours, did a bunch of small tours, uh, still riding the telescan rigs, but man, for a while there, they were, you know, for a couple of years, they were the cutting edge technology. So what was your favorite of, of all of those tours that you were on? You mentioned the blind ambition tour, but you went out with Bob Dylan with Springsteen. I remember you talked about being on the road with Neil Diamond. Was that during the same time? Uh, it was, it was all with the, during the same time. I actually went out and worked on the Neil Diamond tour, uh, just in rehearsals. There was another guy, I can't remember his name, uh, that took that show out on the road. It was at a time where Neil Diamond in particular, um, where I was, transitioning to to law tech i guess you know i i had a chance to uh to to do a couple of tours with bob dylan and and uh bob was he was pretty particular about uh how he wanted things and what was so so interesting about bob was he he had a specific directive which was um you can't like bob <laughs> he's, he's like he's like i don't want any light on me <laughs> no light and so, so the, the lighting designer struggled to find a way to have spotlights that he could use to follow bob but it didn't feel like he was lighting bob because otherwise bob would go and hide on stage if he felt like he was being lit <laughs> it was kind of crazy <laughs> You know, to watch this guy, man, the, you know, one of the leading influence, musical influences of, of our day and age, you watch him on stage and the lights would come up and that's why he'd wear the big hats. You know, he'd wear the hat and he'd hide his face and he'd come up to the microphone and, and hide his face on the microphone. And it's where you're, you're lighting, you know, one of the adages in, in lighting design, particularly in theater is that. You know, if you can't if you can't see the face, you can't hear the actor. So you have to light the actor. You have to light the face. Um, and with Bob, it was just the opposite. It was, there were no front lights on Bob. There were all these. Um, oh God, I can't even remember the guy's name now. The lighting designer. He was wacky as the day is long, but he was real influ influential in helping me develop an aesthetic because it was. You know, here it was one of the, the the biggest names out there. I mean, Bob wasn't selling out stadiums, but everywhere we went, we were selling out, and everybody knew who he was. Um, and the lighting designer was creating this this mood, this atmosphere that was not about revealing the artist, but finding a way to allow the audience because you had to be able to see Bob to be able to appreciate the concert and. It was through less he was creating more, and it was sort of an interesting way to look at lighting design and think about lighting design. I guess it was something that had always been in in my aesthetic from the beginning because I had begun with less, literally less, less budget, you know, the college budgets, and then going to the outdoor drama where I cut my teeth for over 30 years working on that. And boy, that would be a really good topic to talk about sometime is, 
out. I, I not just you, but I've got a, a whole list of people that I want to talk about the history of outdoor drama. I want to do a series, man. Yeah, absolutely. There's, because there's really cool things happening now. In anyway, that's where I cut my teeth, and and so many um, national and regional lighting designers and directors that that I had the opportunity to um, uh, to work with. But it became. You know, one of the, the primary things you teach people um, is revelation of form. What's the primary purpose of lights is the revelation of form. And for me, early on, I I looked at that and went. And you think about a single image, uh, a single body on stage, and you light it, um, and there's the revelation of form. And you talk about the angles and where the light can come from. And for me, it became not the revelation of form, but the creation of shadow, what shadow am I creating? And I guess it's just a, a, a backwards way to look at it, but that's what has always provided interest for me is what shadow am I creating and how am I doing that and what is it that I want to accomplish in that? Um, because we have a palette. I mean, we live in the world, we live in this world filled with light um, and whether or not we recognize that there is this this, this, this con how would we describe this this continuum of observation that provides solace in our daily journey and, and with the way things are we learn how things are and so you get into the theater and you explore the way things could be or here's another vision of how the way things are and you hope that you create a little bit of um, magic or hope or joy or um, I don't know ah. No, I you you nailed a lot of great stuff there. Let me take something too. You found the title of this episode. It's it's Mark Gwynn and the creation of shadow. Uh, that's going to be the title of this episode. Hey, uh, I I want to transition uh, in a minute here to the future. But before we do, I just got to ask you because your last point touched so closely to it. Did you see the? Did you watch any of the Oscars the other oh, night? Oh, I got to watch just a little bit of it, sort of the tail end of it. Did you see, and now I can't even remember who it was that did the commercial, but there was the commercial with a little blind girl describing The Wizard of Oz. Oh, I didn't get to see that. I'll go find it and look at Let's it. Go to, I was going to say, yeah, go, go to YouTube when we get done with this and go go look at this. But So she describes to you the world and she describes to you the uh, the other characters. And then she says, and that's and then you hear Dorothy's voice singing, and, and that's Dorothy. Dorothy looks like me. And then there she is dancing down her version of the yellow brick road with her version of the scarecrow and the, uh, the tin man and the lion. And it's amazing, Mark. It's so amazing. It's just, but, but the, the idea of seeing the world from a different point of view, and that's exactly, that's exactly what storytelling yes. is, right? It's, it's to bring us closer together and whatever, whatever your path is to do that, then that's what you got to yes, do. Yes. And everybody's vision everybody's vision means something. What do you see? Don't be afraid to tell me what you see and say what you see because it's yours. It's yours. It's solely yours and no one can take that from you. And I'm interested. So now you're, uh, you're out of the, or I say out, you're not out of the professional world cause you still do, uh, some, some cool gigs from time to time, but you, in the educational world, you're focused now on building the next generation of, of lighting designers and scenic designers and actors and performers of all different stripes and managers, et yes. cetera. 
what's the number one technological advancement in your time at Louisiana Tech and in your time in the educational world that has advanced particularly the lighting world? What's the number one thing that you guys have come across? It's the computer, hands down. And just the way that you're able to order the – like describe that process. So there is no manual interaction with the lights during the show now or less? It it can be as much or as – it's that – Man, it's that you know I I get this phone that I have in my hand. This phone, I can put everything on. I can put used to what used to be you know twelve, thirteen, fourteen pages and pages of of spreadsheets and notes for organizing the plot is right here. I just flip to my lighting design app and pull up all the information that I need and create an order. I can do it all right here in my hand. And everything from designing and organizing the plot to running the lights. There's, you know, I got two or three apps on my phone uh, that one day I hope to find uh, an interface. They're all interface driven, right? You have to have a little black box that your, your that your phone talks to that then drives the the dimmer rack or whatever else you have. Uh, but I have lighting console. A full, complete lighting console emulation on my phone so that I could sit in Howard Auditorium during the show and run the show, whatever it is, or bring up whatever group of lights, do whatever it is that, that, that you want to be able to do. So it's the computer, the miniaturization of the computer. Did I say that word right? Miniaturization. Yes. It, miniaturization. Miniaturization of the computer um, and slapping that thing on board so that, you know, everybody has wiggly lights, man. The church has got wiggly lights. The bar's got wiggly lights. There's wiggly lights down at the gas station. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's everywhere. It's, it's just become, it's just become common vocabulary. Uh, so that's, and even though, even though, you have this advancement, and this was the, the you know the craziest thing about being out there. Like like if we want to go back, I'll leap all the way back to the Mon- Madonna Blonde Ambition tour. You know, even in the middle of that, where there's hundreds of thousand dollars being spent weekly on, you know, there was for for that show there were six lighting consoles driving everything that was going on. We had Verilites, we had Morpheus. Uh, Morpheus lights, we had telescan, we had lasers, we had everything sitting right there. But even at the, the, the fundamental, it was the revelation of form. And in this instance, you know, this is the cool thing about rock and roll. In retrospect, I can look back at it and, and, and looking at the design and go, oh, man, that shit's easy. Look, you've got one performer and all you have to do is like that one performer and then take this budget you got and create this symmetrical illusion behind them of ethereal vapor that you reveal by putting particulate in the air and hoping that people are smoking so much that you can see the light beams. Bam, there you are, you're done. Look at that. It's brilliant. So it is, you know, it's just, it's just little, for us, it's this little handheld device because it really has um it, it it really has brought the brought the market to the kids because it, it it used to be you know i sat down and you were you were at a drafting table you you began there you started sketching things out and then it was 
putting uh, ink to mylar and inking up the plot and then <clears throat> sitting down and creating tons and tons of ta tables. You know, that was the, the assistant lighting director or the lighting geek's job from the very beginning was organizing and keeping up to date all the paperwork. And as soon as we got computers and spreadsheets, um, that was the transition has just been really kind of seamless and, and easy. And there's a lot of purists and folks that will say, and I agree, um, you know, you, you miss a significant amount by not having someone at a table with a pencil and a piece of paper and work on visualizing. Yet even now, you know, it's the one thing I do to help people get into the model and begin thinking about space and, and the opportunities that the space that a stage offers are, you know, it's like get out Google SketchUp. There's free 3D modeling software right there. And all you got to do is download it and start playing. It's like download it, start playing, create a set design. Paint it. Paint it with light. So there's lots of places all over the country and all over the world to go and to uh, to play a while and to learn how to do these sorts of things. But you and I, I think, are both partial to one in particular. If somebody is interested in learning more about Louisiana Tech and the School of Performing Arts there and uh, and coming to learn under you and some of the other great professors that you have, how, how do they find out more about you? It's uh, performingarts.latech.edu, man. Um, check out the School of Performing Arts, Department of Theater. Uh, we are a small, vibrant program based on the company model, uh, building <clears throat> the artist of tomorrow since 1991. So actually even before that, but that's my tenure there. Um <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, that's that's a good place to start it. Hey, and listen, there's a there's a great way. It's not exactly in the lighting area, but there's a great way for people to come and sample Louisiana Tech and the School of Performing Arts and and the theater department coming up soon with the Stage Combat Workshop. Oh, Tell folks a little bit about yes. that. Uh, the 24th annual Stage Combat Workshop um, is happening. It's always Easter weekend. People say, hey, when's the workshop this year? Uh, it's always Easter weekend, like it always has been. So it's Good Friday and Saturday. Uh, two days of stage combat training with some of the cutting-edge professionals in the world. We don't have any, at the moment, we don't have any international teachers coming in. We've got folks coming in from all across the United States um, this year. It's a all-day Friday, all-day Saturday. School's closed here, so we take over the Lambright Intramural Center. And uh, last year, we had 21 um, instructors from across the United States uh, in theater, film, video. Oh, my gosh. It's just about everything that you can imagine. Uh, we don't have our instructor list finalized as of yet, but I can tell you this. Uh, it's going to be healthy. We got I've got... 26 people that have said that they're available and we're just waiting on we're just waiting on a budget to come through um, and then we'll get the um, we'll get the instructor list up on the website but uh, you should come out uh, so what is that website where can people check it out through the department of theater that uh, performing arts like yep, excellent the lot tech get you to uh, department of music and theater and then you can find us that way Okay, and I'll have those uh, links in the show notes, too, so it'll be easy for you to find, folks. Um, Mark, thank you so much for talking to us, and we are going to have you back on soon uh, for lots of different things, man. What a great conversation. It was a pleasure, Joel. Thank you very much. You've uh, – what a, what a great uh... – 
what a great morning, you know? It's kind of awesome. Yeah, it's a good start, man. All right, we'll it talk to you soon. It is a good start. Hey. It was a great start. I hope it was a great start to your Thursday, too, or uh, whenever you're listening to this show. I hope it's a, a great uh, start or continuance to your day. Meandthegeekpod.com is where you can find us all the time. You can find us at me and the Geek on Twitter and on Facebook. You can email us, meandthegeek at teamprocreate.com. I want to say a quick thank you to Mark Gwynn for joining us on the show. Also, a big thank you to The Word Modern for our theme song. It's called End Demand, and you can find links in our show notes on how you can uh, find that whole album and more from them. Great, great music. Can't uh, recommend it enough. Next week here on Me and the Geek, you're going to hear a great interview with Chad Brooks. He's a uh, preacher buddy of mine and a geek, a big geek, as a matter of fact, a Bigfoot aficionado, a music uh, lover as well. But we're going to talk to him about how he's using social media and uh, multimedia in his pulpit and also uh, in helping mold and find his congregation as he starts a new church plant uh, in our area here. That's Chad Brooks coming next week on Me and the Geek. Until then, uh, review us in iTunes if you're enjoying the show or on Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. That'll help other people find us. Or just share us with a buddy. Tell him to go to meandthegeekpod.com. Until next week, I'm Joel Sharpton. That's The Rogue's Life on Twitter. You can follow me there. This week's geek was Mark Gwynn, the director of the School of Performing Arts at Louisiana Tech University. And this has been the podcast. Me and the Geek is a proud member of the ProCast Network, a ProCreate production. ProCreate is a community of artists in film, music, the digital arts, and fine arts that helps them connect and collaborate on projects. You can find out more at teamprocreate.com. Also, be sure to check out one of our other great shows, like Movie Buzzed. The Movie Buzzed podcast is exactly what it sounds like. It's a place for friends to get together, watch a good movie, and catch a good buzz. Every episode, your host, Zach, will be joined by a special guest, or five, to have some fun. Movie Buzzed is where you'll find your friends and a good buzz waiting for you. This is the sound of a man who unexpectedly fell into cold water and instinctively is trying to swim hard. This is the sound of the cold water shock, making him gasp uncontrollably and breathe in water until he drowns. Whereas this is the sound of a man who fell into cold water and knows how to survive. You have to fight your instinct to swim and just float until the cold water shock has passed and you can control your breathing. This is a safety message from the RNLI. Float to live. Visit respectthewater.com. These fingers crossed paprika burgers. Big day today. Jamie gets his exam results. I hope he's done okay. He's worked so hard. So I'm making my paprika burgers for when he gets home. They were lucky last time. I add red onion and paprika to the mince. Then I top with jalapenos. Well, make your own burgers with our Tesco finest Aberdeen Angus beef. Food Love Stories, brought to you by Tesco.